a quick preface uh, to this episode. Um, one, warning, it is super long. Uh, this was recorded over the span of three commutes, because uh, that's how long it took to tell the story. Um, so I know um, folks are used to these probably being a little shorter, so fair warning on that one. Uh, number two, um, you'll hear me say a lot of this again here in a minute, but just wanted to make it real clear up front. Um, this particular story is the story of my religious upbringing, my religious journey, how I got to feel and believe the way that I do. Um, again, spoiler warning, it starts with me, um, being born, (laughs) um, being a, a, a Christian, uh, onto a very hardcore Christian, onto an agnostic, and ending with me as an atheist. Um, again, this is my journey. I'm not necessarily advocating for anyone to be any of those three things, or anything else, or, you know, advocating against any of the above, or anything else. Um, but if you are a person of, uh, deep faith, who is likely to become upset or offended, um, by listening to that sort of a journey, maybe give this one a pass. Um, likewise, if for some reason you are a person who, you know, enjoys the Toddcast in the company, you know, of your friends and family, which may include small people, um, there are some bits in here you might not want the young, young, young ones to hear. Um, and again, maybe, maybe give this one a pass or, or, um, you know, reserve it for a, a private listening. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's a bit of a personal story, um, meant to illustrate my path, not to, you know, evangelize in one way or another. Uh, and I guess the other thing is, is that, um, if you're the kind of person that, that hears that, that someone else is of a particular faith, um, or atheist, as the case may be, and are, and that immediately forms an opinion for you of that person, um, I, that's not cool, I guess, um, there's more to people than a single dimension, um, of their religion, or their skin color, or their, you know, sexuality, or whatever, um, and I really hope that, you know, you, you, if you're listening to this, you're listening to this in the, the nature in which it was intended, um, and not just, you know, form snap opinions of me based on the fact that I just said, you know, I'm an atheist, um, you know, if, if you hear that and that, you know, is a problem for you, uh, you know, that problem is for you, um, and it might, uh, might do you well to do some self-examination, um, of yourself and how you view the world and how you treat your fellow man. Um, three and a half minutes is a long preface, so I'm gonna shut up and get on to the episode because it's already pretty long as it is. I uh, hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Toddcast. Um, driving home from work, felt like recording a podcast, so here we are. Um, for whatever it might be worth to you, it is in my world the 6th of February. Um, and 
today we're going to talk about uh, my religious journey. Um, potentially controversial. Um, not sure if I'm likely to gain or lose listeners on account of this. Um, I leave that to you. Um, this is a topic that I've kind of wanted to talk about for, for some time now. Um, and I've been kind of putting it off. Uh, just because it is something of a sensitive topic, um, and I know that it, you know, it can be controversial, um, but I, I've decided that I'm just going to go ahead and do it, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes, and what the feedback is, and, and so on and so forth. Um, my intention here is to kind of talk through, you know, my religious journey, uh, through life, um, how I got to, um, be where I am today, you know, my upbringing as regards to faith, um, you know, the, the choices I've made, the, the education that I've gotten, um, and so forth, and so, you know, this is not going to be a discussion of religion in the general sense, um, sort of touting one over the other as superior or inferior or, or what have you. Um, and, um, you know, I'm just going to, because this is, you know, a, a delicate topic, I'm just going to preface this with, you know, obviously all these views are, are my own. Um, and specifically they are the views that I, um, the views and beliefs that I hold to for myself. Um, I am not advocating for anyone who has their own faith uh, to necessarily change their, their, their thoughts and opinions and feelings based on what I'm saying. I mean, if that ends up happening, that's, that's, that's your choice. That's on you. Um, but this is not meant as some sort of, you know, evangelizing my views to try and convert people sort of thing. It's just a Here's, here's, here's how I got to be this way. Um, you know, kind of in keeping with a lot of the, you know, the episodes that I've got here that are, you know, largely biographical, talking about my past and, and, you know, my journeys through life. Um, religion has been a, a, you know, a, a, a pretty big component of that, um, uh, throughout my life. Uh, and, and it wouldn't be a complete telling if I didn't, uh, you know, broach this topic on, you know, to some degree or another. So I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Um, as I often do in these, uh, I'm going to attempt to go chronologically, start at the beginning and work my way to present day. Um, again, as I often do, I'm sure I'll bounce around a little bit and cut back and forward and have a bunch of side tangents, but by now you guys should all be used to that. Um, so we'll start, we'll start at the beginning. Um, to start at the very beginning, I guess I should say that, uh, you know, when I was born, um, I was baptized as a baby, uh, by the Catholics. Um, my father's upbringing, uh, he was, he was born to a Catholic family, uh, you know, and, and was a part of, you know, generally all that that entailed. Um, we never really discussed on any serious level a lot of the details about uh, his Catholic upbringing. 
most of this is, is largely, you know, what I'm just assuming or inferring from what I know of, you know, the, the Catholic faith and how, how things tend to go there. You know, I'm assuming that at some point, you know, he, he had, you know, catechism classes and had confirmation and a first communion. And, and I, I feel like at one point he may have mentioned, you know, being an altar boy, cause that tends to be part of that, that situation as I understand it. Um, you know, he was, he was raised Catholic and, and, and you know, stuck with that. Um, later in life, uh, he departed Catholicism. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but at the time that I was born, um, I'm not sure if it's because he was still Catholic then or because, you know, his side of the family was Catholic. Um, the decision was made, you know, to, for me to, you know, be baptized, um, you know, as a baby. Um, so that's baptism number one. There are at least two or three more baptisms to come in this story. Uh, but that's, that's number one. Uh, um, uh, you know, so I, I, I have a godmother and a godfather, um, which I, you know, in the traditional, you know, faith-based godfather, godmother sense, um, there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of interaction on that level. Um, and I don't really know a whole lot about this stuff. So I, I will fully admit that when it comes to a lot of this, this Catholic talk, I'm, I'm going off of what I know, which is incomplete information and may not be completely accurate. Um, and again, apologies to those who, who feel that I'm misrepresenting. It's not intentional. Um, but my understanding is that, you know, the purpose of the, the godmother, godfather is that if something were to happen to the parents, they will sort of pick up and, and carry on with the, the, the Catholic upbringing of, of that child. Um, which fortunately, you know, while I was a child, both of my parents lived, so that really didn't come into play. Um, my godfather was my, my uncle, uh, my dad's oldest brother, um, who, who lived a fair distance from us and the rest of the family, so I just didn't see him very often. Um, not that there was any, you know, ill will or anything, we just didn't come across each other because he, he lived a good ways off. Um, my godmother, um, I did see on a regular basis. She lived local. She was, uh, dad's cousin. Um, we still talk occasionally. Um, again, it's not that, you know, we don't talk because there's anything wrong. It's just, I am notoriously bad at picking up a phone and kept staying connected to people. Um, and that's largely what it boils down to. <laughs> um, and she and I have actually discussed this very topic, uh, about how, you know, various members of our family are kind of notorious for just not staying in touch well. Um, and, you know, we both agreed that, you know, neither of us take it personally, you know, neither takes any you know, offense at this. It's just, that's kind of how we are. When we do talk, it's good times. We, we enjoy catching up. It just doesn't happen very often. Um, so that, I guess, is the beginning. Um, there's a whole lot of, I just don't remember because I was, you know, itty bitty. Um, I want to say probably the next bit of memories as regards to religion and such probably pick up probably when I was in four or five, six, somewhere in that time, time frame. Um, I know we lived out in, uh, in Pleasant Grove, which would probably put me about five or six. Um, and we used to 
take a what seemed to be just an epic trek uh, through the the hills and woods, you know, out of out of you know Dillon Vale down through uh, past Martin's Ferry and Bridgeport, uh, and then across the the, the Ohio River uh, and up some more hills and woods to Bethlehem. Or is it Bethel? Shoot, I can't remember the name of the town. It was a biblical-named city, uh, but it's in West Virginia. Beth- is it Bethlehem? Nazareth? I don't know. It's not important. We had a church that we went to. Um, I think it's I think, yeah, Bethlehem something of God. I can't remember the name of the church. It's not super important. Uh, I guess the key points here are that it was it was not Catholic. So at, that, at, at some point uh, between my baptism and you know, us starting to go to church as a family on a regular basis. Um, Catholicism sort of dropped out of the equation. Um, it was, you know, it is it is a, a Protestant Christian church. Again, I was very young. I can't get into the specifics of what sp- particular sect uh, it is. Uh, you know, it, it was, it wasn't one of the big names in, in Protestant it wasn't, you know, we weren't Baptists or Presbyterians or, or something like that. It was, you know, for, for lack of a better word, sort of, a, you know, a generic Christianity um, sort of sort of church. Um, and like I said, we, every Sunday, we would get up early in the morning and go on what must have been like an hour ride through the woods and so forth to get there. Um, for Sunday service... You know, after after Sunday service, we would you know go to one of the grandparents' houses to hang out, and then you know eventually would would you know go go back home. Um, long story short, our sh- our Sundays, you know, were were consumed. <laughs> um, you know, as a young person, when I started school and we had a weekend, I really only had one day of the weekend to to enjoy because we were getting up really early on Sunday, uh, and most of the 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 good playtime time frame was was consumed by, you know, being at church or in transit or at grandparents or, you know, transit again. Um, you know, it was, it was fine. Uh, you know, it's one of those things to where I was young enough to where I didn't really necessarily know what it was all about. Like it's, this is a thing we do every Sunday. Um, you know, the, the more impactful aspects of the faith, um, you know, the tenets of the religion and what the belief system was, um, were largely wasted on me or, you know, I didn't understand, you know, when, you know, we'd get there, you know, if memory serves, you know, everybody would be up in the main, you know, chapel area for like the singing portion at the beginning. And if memory serves, when it came time for the, uh, the pastor to start the sermon, all of the children would, you know, exit through the back and go into the basement and, and, you know, have, you know, children's church or whatever they called it. Um, which largely amounted to, you know, being told the, the, the classic, um, you know, Bible stories, you know, Noah and the Ark, um, tales of Moses, you know, various stories of Jesus, parables, um, you know, all, all of that, that sort of thing. Um, you know, which, which was fine, you know, like I said, I, I, I didn't, you know, it wasn't a very deep, uh, you know, 
theological experience, it was kind of, you know, Christian story time for me. Um, you know, and, and being young, you just kind of take it all in. And if somebody says, you know, that at one point on the earth, the, you know, God was upset and flooded the earth and, you know, asked a guy to build a big old boat and put two of every animal in it so that he could save, you know, them. And, you know, that's how, that's why we all still exist. You're a kid. You're just, okay, sure. You know, um, you know, they tell you the story of creation that, you know, over the course of six days, you know, God created all of these things. And one of them was a man and he popped out a rib and made a woman and, you know, the whole thing with the tree of knowledge and all that. And that's how we all got to be here and why there's, you know, good and evil. Okay. Um, you don't think too much about it. You don't put a lot into it because you just don't that's not how kids work. Like you tell them a fun story and tell them that's how things work. And okay, cool. Um, so I was down for that in so much as you can be down, you know, for anything like that. Um, you know, um, spoiler warning. Um, you know, I also believed in the Easter bunny and Santa Claus and the tooth fairy. Um, and I know that there are some people who are going to be very upset that I just made that comparison. Um, but if you're talking about, you know, a talking snake convincing a woman to eat a piece of fruit and, you know, that's why there's bad things in the world. Okay, that's a little far-fetched. It's not really that much more far-fetched than a giant rabbit in a bow tie going to everyone's house uh, on a Sunday morning delivering eggs and candy. You know, uh it's, it's, it's a, a fun tale for the children, but you, you know, you don't necessarily distinguish between those two types of stories when you're that young. Um, which will come into play later in my particular journey. Um, I guess I should, should, should say, um, you know, at points in the future where I start to question the faith, um, there's a fair bit of that that started when I was told, yeah, there is no Santa Claus or, or Easter Bunny or um, Tooth Fairy. Um, and it gets your young mind thinking, well, if those things aren't real, what else have you told me that isn't real? Um, and you start to apply logic to, okay, what could be real? What, what most likely makes sense? Um, and stories about people, you know, coming back from the dead kind of have a bit of a fantastical element that sort of falls into that same category and gets you questioning things. Um, but again, I, I jump a bit ahead of myself. Um, you know, we went to that church for a good long while. Um, you know, had a, a lot of really, really nice people. Um, you know, some good friends. Uh, we had some good times. I'm trying to think. We probably went there probably until I was in, I want to say, like the fourth or fifth grade. Um, at some point in there, probably towards the later end, um, you know, the concept of salvation, you know, eventually makes its way to you. Um, you know, the, the belief that, uh, you know, you're told that we're all sinners, um, you know, you're told what the sins are, there are things you shouldn't do, and those are sins, um, and you're told that we're all sinners, you know, and furthermore, you're told that it doesn't matter how good you try to be, uh, and that if you 
you know, don't break any of these rules that we call sins. It doesn't matter. You're still a sinner because, you know, this woman ate a fruit forever ago. Um, and because of that, you're going to go to a place called hell that is, you know, eternal torment and fire and, and heinousness. And the only way to get, a, you know, the only way to get around that is to be saved. Um, that's, that's a heavy load to put on a youngin. Uh, just going to throw that out there. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily presented in that brisk, uh, clear cut a fashion, but that's, that's, that's what it all boils down to. Um, and at least for me as a youngin, you know, you tell all these stories, but if you've put any time and thought into it, really what you're doing is kind of summarizing these things in your head. And that's kind of what it all boils down to. Um, and then they tell you that, you know, the way to become saved is to, you know, believe in Jesus, um, who is the, you know, the son of God, uh, and came to earth and did all these cool things and, and told everybody, you know, to, to love each other and be cool to each other. Um, and because of that, um, they killed him on a, on a cross, um, and three days later he came back from the dead and there's something in there about him being on the cross and therefore he sucked up everyone's sins to take them off of you, therefore making it okay for you to then not go to hell, but go to heaven instead. But it only counts if you believe in him and, you know, basically pledge yourself to him, um, and dedicate your life to doing what he says. And that's how you get saved. Um, which, again, you know, this is all presented as, you know, as factual as, you know, the day after Tuesday is Wednesday. And as a young person, you're like, okay, cool. Well, apparently that's what I need to do. I need to believe that that's the thing and, you know, get saved. And in that kind of church, you know, they tell this story. They have an altar call where you come up and, you know, the preacher prays over you and you, you know, say, you know, I don't want to be a sinner. I want Jesus in my, my heart. Um, and bing, bang, boom, you, my friend, are saved. Um, and it's on you to hold up your end of the deal by being good, uh, and so forth. Uh, and so that's sort of stage one. Uh, like I said, I, I can't remember exactly when that happened for me the first time. Um, I was, I was a child. I was absolutely a child. Um, I'm thinking single digit years when that happened. Um, So there's that. Um, stay there, there, stage two of Christ, the Christianity I was raised in. Um, then is baptism, um, particularly in the you know particular shoot of Christianity I was raised in. You know, you, step one is get saved. Step two is baptism. And when you know they're they're talking about baptism for my particular group, um, the folks that we you know the church we went to didn't believe in baptizing babies. That, that wasn't a thing. It's a thing. You've got to be old enough to know what you're doing for it to count. Um, so me already having been baptized as a baby did not get me any credit in this, this system. Um, but you got to be saved and then you need to be baptized. And it's like, okay, what, what, what's the deal, you know, with baptism? What, you know, okay, I get into a body of water and we pray and you dunk me and, and that does what? Um, that I don't already have from being saved. Um, and I don't remember the specific, 
sort of breakdown that they gave me. Um, it was, you know, a whole explanation as to, you know, why that is and the, you know, the precedent set in the Bible, why that was important and so forth. Um, but it, it, again, it all kind of boiled down to, um, sort of the idea that, okay, you know, it's, it's good that you're saved, but getting baptized really shows that you mean it is, is kind of how it was presented to me. Um, and again, I want to say probably when that happened, I might've been like 10 or 11 first go round. Um, and you know, already considering myself saved or born again, as, as it's called, um, well, I've already, you know, committed to this. So of course I mean it. Sure. You know, it probably didn't hurt that this particular church, when they did baptisms, um, they typically did it during the church's summer picnic, which took place at one of the, one of the people who go to the church. I can't remember the term, if it's like deacon or brother or something. It wasn't like an official position, but it was somebody who was, you know, been at the church and was kind of important, but not yet the pastor. They had some property, um, on Wheeling Creek, uh, where we'd have this, this, you know, picnic festival thing. Um, and there was a creek that you'd go and swim in, but they would also use for baptisms. Um, and so, you know, the plan was, hey, during the next thing, do you want to be baptized? And we'll all talk about this and then, okay, we'll do it while we're there. Um, you know, and, you know, as a youngin, my checklist was, well, I'm already saved. So we got that covered. Well, I'm already going to be at this place. I'm planning on going swimming. So I'm already going to be in the water. And this just says that I'm serious. But yeah, let's do this baptism, you know, um, and at the time, you know, I, I say this all very flippantly, um, you know, 40 or 30, 40 years later. At the time, I, it, it meant something to me. Um, it meant something to me in a way that, you know, I don't know that I fully understood why it meant something, but it just did. Um, so I got baptized. That's baptism number two. Um, depending on you know, what particular branch of Christianity you, you fall into. Um, there is a potential step three, uh, which is, you know, involves, uh, the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, generally speaking, that's your, your more Pentecostal variations of Christianity. Um, and being filled with the Holy Ghost, um, how do I put this uh, to a person who doesn't already know? Um, is said to confer certain powers upon the person is probably the best, the most D&D &D way for me to say it. Like, if you feel the Holy Ghost, you can speak in tongues. Or if somebody else is speaking in tongues, you understand it. Um, or you're able to, you know, lay hands on people to heal them, faith healer style. Like, there's, there's stuff like that that comes with it. Um... And that's the step three, you know, accepting the Holy Ghost into you. Uh, it's sort of the trifecta of um, Christian accomplishment, leveling up. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, again, that comes in later in my story. Um, but just since I'm talking about the, the three steps here, I figured I'd throw that out there. Um, so I get baptized, like I said, I was like 10 or 11. Um, and at some point for reasons that are unclear to me now, because I never really thought too much about it at the time and never thought to ask and get any clarification on it, uh, we changed churches. Um, 
which is a thing that sometimes happens. Um, people will go to, you know, a different church. Um, there was a thing where, you know, you would sometimes visit other churches just to kind of, I guess, see how they were, whatever. Um, or if somebody who went to your church went to another church, they'd be like, hey, why don't you come, you know, visit and see our church. And you just go there for a week, you know, for a Sunday and then go back to your normal church. Um, we had some friends who went to a different, moved officially to a different church and they had us come visit. And at some point later, we ended up going to that church too. Like I said, I don't know the rationale. Um, I do know that it was closer to home and the, the journey was not quite so arduous, which was, you know, kind of a plus for me. Um, but we changed churches. Um, it was the, what was it? It was a, the Bridgeport Church of God, I want to say. And don't ask me what the distinction is between, you know, the quote, Church of God specific brand of Christ, the Christian faith. Uh, but there were some subtle differences in some of the finer points of the belief system, um, such that Church of God was essentially the denomination uh, for that those folk. Um, again, it was it was fine. It was good times. Uh, you know, I was getting into you know my adolescence there. Um, there were you know some kids there that were my age that we hung out. Um, again typically, um, I think it's at that point where we started doing Sunday school. Um, and again, for those who may not be familiar, Sunday school for us was you show up to church extra early and they have like classes, you know, in small groups, age, you know, generally age based. Uh, and then when that was done, that's when actual church happened. Um, so kind of a double dose of church, a couple different variations there. Um, again, aside from losing a morning to sleep in, um, it didn't really bother me. I was, I was cool with it. Like I said, I had, I had friends and, and people, and, you know, again, it was showing up and they'd tell Bible stories and, you know, morality tales. And here's, here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do type stuff, which was fine. Um, you know, having been a part of this for, you know, several years, uh, you know, I was familiar with the basics of, you know, what is right, what is wrong, what, you know, is generally in the Bible and the stories there and how, you know, you should follow that example, um, sort of a deal. Uh, and then for church, you'd go up in the main, you know, chapel area and there would be singing and, and then some prayer and then a preacher would, you know, give the sermon. Um, and maybe I think at the tail end there might be another song or two and then you all, you know, break for the day. Which again was fine. I, I you know, didn't, you know, it could be a little boring in the actual church sermons because you know you're you're a young person. You're not real keen on sitting still. Period. Um, and while you're not opposed to anything the dude's saying, you know, various preachers come in various levels of, of dull to exciting. Um, and again, nothing against the pastor, but it, you know he wasn't, you know. He wasn't telling me stories about Star Wars. He wasn't reenacting grand battles for Masters of the Universe. He was talking about how we should all be good people. And, you know, that's, it's a good notion, but it's kind of boring when you're 12. Um, you know, so I'm sitting there drawing robots fighting each other in the pew on the back of the, you know, the, the church bulletin or whatever. Um, you know, at, at, at a certain point there, I was old enough and my, my younger siblings were old enough uh, the church had a nursery. It had a little room 
away from the chapel that you could go take your kids to so they weren't screaming and hollering and disrupting everyone's church service. Um, that, you know, on a good day, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to take, you know, Crystal and Eric back to the nursery and I'll watch them. Um, and they had, you know, speakers back in the nursery so you could hear the message so you weren't missing anything. Um, but at my age, that just meant, okay, cool, that's happening in the background. I'm not paying attention. I can play with toys and hang out with my, you know, kid brother and sister um, and not have to sit in one place. Uh, and that worked out well. Um, over the course of the next couple of years, um, I became part of the youth group. Um, and again, for those who are not familiar, um, a lot of churches have youth groups. Uh, it, it's, you know, typically, you know, once you're a teenager, uh, they put all the teens together and they go off by themselves and, and you know, have their own sort of church. Um, that's geared towards, you know, teen issues, things that are happening in teens' lives that they need to be aware of to, you know, keep themselves from falling, you know, along the path of Satan, as teens are very easily led to, uh, what with the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll and the, the so on and so forth. Um, I can see why people would want to pay special attention to them. Um, youth group typically happened, um, Wednesday nights, um, the churches we, we went to from that point, you know, there was normally a Sunday school and first thing in the morning, Sunday service after that. Uh, a lot of them had Sunday evening services uh, for people who worked swing shifts and couldn't make it Sunday morning, etc. Um, that for the most part, we didn't necessarily partake in for, for the bulk of the early years there. Uh, and then there would also be Wednesday services, um, which would be to call it church light seems somewhat rude, uh, but it wasn't the full-blown, all the singing, all the prayer, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of a, you know, abbreviated version that happened on Wednesdays. Um, and like I said, we lived closer at the time, um, and so we, as a family, go on Wednesday night, and I would peel off, uh, to go be with the, the youth group, um, which again was, was kind of, was, was fine, uh, you know, said, I, at this point I've been, you know, a Christian for years and was well versed in what it is we should be doing. Um, and you know, it was, I'd been with it long enough to say that, um, people can sometimes be upset when I use the word indoctrinated in this context. Um, although when you tell a child what to think and feel, that's kind of what that is. Um, you can disagree with me on that, but that's kind of what that looks like. That's what that word means. Um, and I was kind of indoctrinated to it at that point. And it was also before I got to an age to where I started really thinking too critically about anything. So I just rolled with it. Um, at some point in there, like I said, I got the news broken to me that a lot of the things that I was told were real were not. Um, I.e., Santa, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, etc. Um, and as you get to the point to where you start to, you know, examine things and think about things, you're like, hmm, well, what else may or may not be real? Um, and so, the, you know, there were, there were doubts. Um, which, of course, everyone that I talked to from the church 
just told me, you know, that's Satan trying to tempt you away from, you know, the, the, the side of the Lord. You need to, you know, suppress that. You need to rebuke that. Um, you know, the Bible is the truth. Um, what stories you were told about, you know, fictitious holiday supernatural beings is not the same thing as what we've been teaching you all these years. Um, and if you, you know, disagree, that's just the devil, and you need to not listen to the devil or you'll go to hell. Um, which is, uh, you know, in retrospect, is a very odd way of self-reinforcing your beliefs. Um, and would eventually culminate in one of the reasons why I said, yeah, I'm done here. Um, but again, I'm getting perhaps a bit ahead of myself. But there were doubts. Um, over the next few years, we, uh, we ended up switching churches again. Um, well, we moved to a different, you know, to downtown Martins Ferry. Um, and we also changed churches to the, uh, Trinity Assembly of God. Um, the Assemblies of God churches are Pentecostal. Um, as I mentioned, uh, earlier, one of the pretty serious emphases to their, their particular brand of the faith is a, um, a fondness, uh, for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Um, you know, they believe in God. They believe, you know, him as the father. They believe in Jesus as God's son. Uh, but they really embrace the whole, the whole Trinity, the whole triumvirate of, you know, father, son, Holy Ghost by grasping onto the Holy Ghost aspect. There. Um, and that church was a new experience for me, um, because, you know, and was exciting as a young person, I should say. Uh, because, you know, their sermons were, you know, their church services, um, had a lot of energy and a lot of passion. Um, you know, this was a church that you would go to and there, you know, is a drum set up on, you know, the stage, um, and a guitarist, um, and half the people in the, in the, the congregation had their own tambourines. Uh, you know, we didn't sing books out of the hymnal. We had an overhead projector. They would throw lyrics up for those who needed it. Most of the people knew the songs and they were, you know, peppy, happy, you know, very, uh, very happening kind of songs for church songs. You know, it's not these slow, uh, droning organ music that you, most people think of when they think of church songs coming out of the hymnal. Um, you know, this was more like, um, I know I'm not going to say rock and roll, but, but some up-tempo, um, folk songs, uh, that were all about Jesus and being saved and the Holy Ghost and isn't God wonderful and so on and so forth. I am not going to sing any of them to you. I could because so many of them were pretty straightforward and I participated again for years, but I'm not going to do that to you folks. Um, but that's a neat energy when you're young. Um, and you know, they would have these, these praise and worship songs and then there would be lulls when, you know, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. And like I said, folks spoke in tongues, um, you know, and then there'd be a pause and somebody else would interpret what was said, um, with something that, you know, sounded deep and biblical and a message from God that was just delivered to us all in a completely foreign tongue that no one actually spoke. And then a second person would translate that to English for us all. You know, 
again, as an older person in retrospect, I'm like, well, why didn't God just say that in English for all of us in the first place? Why go through the rigmarole of the tongues? Um, but again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so that was, you know, exciting. When the preacher, you know, would, would go to deliver his message, it's not some guy behind, you know, a lectern, you know, reading from prepared notes, this scripture, and this is what this scripture means, and da-da-da. It was a dude with a handheld mic out and about on the floor, you know, talking about God, and this is what Jesus wants for you, and all kinds of energy. Um, you know, picture, you know, your, your energetic car salesman from a TV ad, um, take away all the car stuff, put in a bunch of Christianity, um, and that's the kind of energy and, and, you know, juice you got from that. And like I said, as a young person, that's, that's kind of exciting. Um, it was definitely a change of pace from the, the boring situation we had previously. Um, add to that, you know, again, when we switched over, we kind of went full bore. Uh, we showed up for Sunday school. We stuck around for Sunday service. Um, I think at that point, or at least not too far after that, um, we went to the Sunday evening ones because it was, again, real close to home and you could do it. Uh, every Wednesday we were there. I, it seemed like every time the doors were open for a thing, we were there. Um, and in the beginning, I was all down for all of that. Um, the youth group at this church, again, the youth pastor was a young man with a lot of passion for what he was doing. And made sure that, you know, the stuff we were talking about was relevant to us as teens, but also fun um, and interesting. And we, you know, had various outings and stuff. And at this point, you know, uh, I, I had had points of doubt. I don't know that I would go so far as to say, uh, you know, I'd completely fallen out of the faith, um, which for reference they refer to as backsliding. Um, I don't know that at this stage I'd gone quite that far, but there were points where I was less, less Christian, less saved than I had been previously. Uh, when we got to this church, it kind of reignited things for me, um, and I got serious. Um, when I was in the seventh grade, um, one of the guys I went to school with, uh, was also a Christian. Um, he went to a different church, but but we both, you know, we had a bunch of stuff in common. We liked to hang out. We liked to, you know, um, run around like crazy people, ride our bikes, play video games, set things on fire, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but we also had, you know, the Christian faith in common. Um, and it's not like we'd get together, the two of us, and have our own little Bible study. But it was it was something we had in common. You know, we kind of, you know, kept ourselves in check um, morally um, and kind of reinforced each other's, you know, thoughts and beliefs um, in that way. Um, when I was in the eighth grade, still was hanging out with this dude, I mean, and was very heavily involved in the church. Um at some point in there, I want to say I got baptism number three at the new church. Um, and it was one of those situations to where in the very front of the church, behind the stage, there's a baptismal. It's like a little walk-in 
kind of like a hot tub without the jets that's just filled with water that you'd get into with the preacher and he'd say the words and pray and dunk you and bring you back up and you know whatever so that that was baptism number three um and like I said I I, I kind of went head first into it um to the point to where literally while I was in the eighth grade in my you know school bag backpack I, I carried a bible with me to to school and on the you know the playground after lunch, I would be talking to folks about, you know, why they should, you know, love Jesus. Um, there was a classmate we had that was a, um, a Jehovah's Witness. Um, that is to say his family were Jehovah's Witnesses and he was raised as a Jehovah's Witness and therefore he was a Jehovah's Witness. Um, I'm, I don't know a lot about the Jehovah's Witnesses. At least I don't remember much about them, and what I do know about them is essentially propaganda that was fed to me from the church I went to. Um, and so I'm not going to talk smack about the Jehovah's Witnesses specifically, or act like I know a lot about them. I know that they're a particular particular um, blend of Christianity was different than what my people believed. Um, and I remember having numerous uh, hardcore theological discussions on the playground with this this lad um, discussing the finer points of dogma and why I believed the way I did and why he believed the way he did why each of us thought that you know what what was wrong about what they thought um, it, 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 was, it was it was pretty intense um, you know it it was different. Um, and I guess it, it's, it's probably pretty hard for me to, to pinpoint at which point that started to, to fade away, um, and, and, and change for me. Um, and I think, um, that at this point, um, in this story, I'm probably about halfway through. Um, and I'm about home. So we're going to call this part one. I'm going to pause the recording. And we will come back for part two at some point in the future so I don't end up in some weird awkward spot. Um, so, talk to you again here in a second. So at this point in the story, it is... Let's see, I would probably be 13 or 14. Um... It would be probably the summer between 8th grade and high school. Um, and, you know, things are, things are riding pretty high on the, uh, the faith front. Um, I think to call me a hardcore evangelical uh, would be a safe thing to call me at that point. Um, and then things started to take a turn, and I am going to, there, there's no one thing that that can really be attributed to. There, there are several factors, all of which sort of come, come into play. That's, you know, in, in such close proximity to each other, it's hard for me to really attribute anyone is being more influential than the others. 
Um, although I guess depending on who you talk to, certain things will be pointed out uh, more so than others um, in ways that I think think is is, is actually quite unfair uh, and will let, allow me to explain. So. Um, at or around the same time, uh, during that time period, uh, the church where we went to, um, the, the, the pastor had a, a drive and a passion to, uh, expand the church. Um, there were several outings where they looked at other sites that were larger, um, he felt that God had given him a mission to, you know, get us into a bigger church and get more people into the church, and that that's what needed to happen. Uh, the people of the church, um, you know, who were, I don't, I honestly couldn't tell you how they were, you know, organized, what the, um, what the command structure, political, whatever, like there was some sort of council, uh, you know, or, or you know, administration there, um, who, you know, hand, handled the money and did the planning, like, the, 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 the preacher was, was sort of, you know, in charge of things, but he wasn't, like, the end-all be-all for the church, there were, you know, a group of people who also needed, you know, to, to, to buy in on any sort of decisions, um, and, again, I wasn't paying that close of attention, so I don't know the specific reasons, but, but the, the, the point of the story is, is that they were not as fired up about spending a bunch of money and, and moving locations and so on and so forth, uh, which ultimately led to, um, Pastor Bill, um, deciding that, you know, in order for him to fulfill God's duties, he needed to, you know, go elsewhere. He needed to, go to it, I think, to, like, a, a different state, uh, to a different church to, you know, expand God's presence there, uh, since he couldn't do it, uh, with the church that we were all at, um, I think is kind of how that all boiled down, um, and so, you know, he, he, he left, uh, you know, it, it was, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, he didn't rage quit, he was like, oh, I'm out of here, uh, but, you know, he, he explained that, you know, due to, circumstances, that was what he felt God needed him to do, and so he was, you know, going elsewhere, and, you know, we, we had a big going-away party for him, and so forth, and we all wished him well. He said it wasn't on bad terms, but he, he did, in fact, leave. Um, which, um, like I said, part of the, part of the draw of that, that church, and, you know, one of the factors of the, of my fervor, uh, was the energy and the, the style and, and, and such uh, that he sort of brought to the table. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming any of this on him, but again, it was a factor. Uh, we went through a period of, you know, some... I don't know what you call a substitute teacher equivalent for, you know, the pastor of your church, but that sort of a thing. Um, various, you know, guest preachers. Um... And what we ended up with, um, was a, a, to say he was an old man makes me sound ageist and like that was the problem, um, and that, that wasn't it, it's just a descriptor, he was an old man, his wife was, you know, an old woman, 
no children. They, you know, had come from um, some sort of youth ministry um, that specifically was focused on, you know, problem children. And by problem children, I mean, you know, substance abuse issues and, and that sort of thing. Um, which people felt it was a good thing because we had a lot of youth in our youth group. Um, and like I said, over the, over the period of time after, you know, all the things I'm about to mention happened, a lot of us started just, you know, fall away from the faith and become, you know, problem children ourselves. So I want to say it was probably, you know, months before we finally got the new official permanent preacher. Um, and like I said, he and his wife worked with problem children and we were vastly finding ourselves to be problem children, so they thought it was a good idea, um, which looked good on paper, but in practice, he was not the energetic, you know, driven, exciting kind of preacher. It kind of fell more towards the traditional um, sermons. Um, which is fine um, if you are devout and into it, but if you start to fade on that front, that becomes, that's just another thing on the pile of, uh, I'm not as interested in this because, you know, it's boring. Um, I particularly had beef with his wife. Um, she just wasn't a very likable woman and she had an, an, an air about her of, you know, I'm right and you're wrong because I'm old and you're a child you don't know what you're talking about and I have the Bible to back me up on that kind of a thing. Um, which didn't help the situation. Um, but sort of concurrently, or shortly there, shortly after the pastor left, um, the youth pastor uh, also found himself um, moving to another state. Um, unlike the you know the the main pastor, uh, our youth pastor, you know, had a day job um, that paid the bills. Um, he actually drove the bookmobile for the library, um, <laughs> and uh, some something in the the career path there. Um, he and his wife moved to somewhere out west. I can't. I honestly can't recall where, um, but they needed to depart. Um, and so, again, part of what kind of kept me engaged and kept me as, as part of it, you know, that there, there's a lot, there was a lot about my faith uh, and my, my religious um, sort of levels of excitement. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, I didn't do it just because, you know, of those around me and to, to fit in and because of, you know, this and that and the other thing. But there's definitely, you know, something to be said about the sense of community um, and the support system that, you know, being part of a church offers. Um, and, and in those years of my youth, that was a pretty big factor. And having two of the key pieces of that sort of fade away in rapid fire um, when you're, you know, 14 years old. Uh, definitely gives one a sense of um, abandonment, I guess, is, is probably the best best thing to liken it to, uh, which can cause you some problems. Um, and so, you know, with him gone, 
uh, again, we went through a period there of having just miscellaneous parents kind of fill in the youth pastor role um, during uh, youth group and, and, and so on and so forth with varying levels of not success. <laughs> um, and so again, after, you know, quite some time, um, they eventually landed on um, one of the folks that was a, was a member of the church. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to best say this without selling uh, the person out because this, this individual um, would end up being a key person in my older sister's life um, and a family that she feels very fond of. Um, and I, you know, don't harbor any ill will. Um, but ultimately, in the big picture of having a youth group, um, it, it kind of went from, a, you know, a, a young fella who was filled with excitement and, and joy uh, and glee and passion and, and was was very excited about the Lord and passed that on, you know, um, to the youth and, you know, really helped them feel the energy and so forth. Uh, the, the needle swung the other direction, uh, rather severely, um, in that the, the guy who took that over was uh, a very no nonsense kind of a guy as memory serves. Um, there are ways to, you know, get young people um, to to convince them to be, you know, respectful and to, you know, chill out and to, to follow the rules. Um, especially if they're already, you know, religious and understand that that's really what they should be doing. But, you know, you're young and full of, you know, hormones and energy and so you're just a little spazzy. Um, you know, there are ways to harness that to, to get the, the youngins to calm down so that you can, you know, talk to them for a little bit and have, have youth group um, that the previous youth pastor had sort of mastered, uh, whereas the new one's plan was to sort of look at you with a stern face and say, you know, you need to be respectful, you need to calm down, you know, very no-nonsense, which does not, does not play well with that audience. Like, yeah, we hear what you're saying, but you're, you're, you're kind of condescending and being a bit of a jerk about it. Um, and I'm not really into that, so I'm going to, you know, be an insubordinate teen and not listen to you. Um, which then feeds into more waving of the finger. Uh, and it turns, sort of turns into a, you know, a downward spiral sort of, you know, feeding upon itself sort of situation. Um, especially when those children are, are slowly, you know, losing their faith. Um, and questioning things, um, and when you don't have, you know, good answers or, you know, even creative answers, um, it becomes problematic. Um, so that was sort of factor two. Um, at or around this time, you know, was the point where I went into high school, uh, which is a, a factor that cannot be, um, overstated, um. And I guess to, to throw a little more background on that, um, the school system that we had when I was going through, um, 
basically, K, you know, kindergarten through seventh grade was um, its own school, um, and it was pretty standard school. Like, you know, I, there's there's not a whole lot to get into there. Uh, but for the eighth grade, there were three different schools that led up to seventh grade, and all three of them dumped into a single school that was just eighth grade, um, which was you know kind of like a junior high. Um, the faculty and staff at, um, that school, um, were very aware that what they had as a populace were three different groups of kids who've grown up together that are now all thrown together with, you know, two other groups of people they've probably, you know, they probably never met, um, and how awkward that can be, and, you know, had a, a focus to, you know, and a drive to make sure everyone, you know, got along, you got a whole bunch of new people, let's all, you know, make the most of this, um, and so fostered a very friendly, supportive, uh, sort of atmosphere, uh, they were also very well aware that, you know, those particular kids coming in, uh, you know, are, a bunch of, you know, 13, you know, 12 to 14 year olds, um, most of whom are, you know, hitting that fun puberty stage, um, with the hormones in full click, um, and changes in their bodies and all the fun that that entails, um, and the special, you know, challenges and opportunities, uh, that, that, you know, provides for young folk, um, and for their, their teachers, and again, um, made special efforts to try and, you know, help, help the youngins out. The, the, the point I'm slowly getting to here is that eighth grade for me, um, in terms of the surroundings was a combination of people that I've I'd known for a while. Um, cause in my situation, I actually went to two of the three different schools that fed in to, to there at various points. Like, um, grew up with one group of kids, you know, sort of K through five, uh, and then my seventh grade, it was a different school, so I, like, two-thirds of the people I was in school with, I kind of knew, at least at some level, uh, which was nice, um, but again, you know, I knew a lot of people, I mean, I wasn't popular by any means, but I knew them, they knew of me, you know, we all generally got along pretty well, um, the teachers were all very, um, very supportive, uh, I guess eighth grade is also the point at which you start to have your own schedule. You know, up to seventh grade, it's everybody goes from class to class as a group. Uh, you start to have your own schedule and can pick your own thing, uh, which is a nice little burst of independence to make you feel all spiffy and special and powerful when you're in the eighth grade. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a burst of, you know, independence in that, you know, I'm no longer just, you know, like when you go to a school that's K through seven, you know, when you're in the fifth grade there, you know, yes, you are above all the younger kids, but you know, the sixth and seventh graders are top of the heap, you know, by the time you get to the seventh grade, you're, you know, king of the classroom or what, I don't know, you're, you're, you, you, you know, you're at the top of the, the social power scheme there. Um, eighth grade, it's all eighth grade. There was no, you know, class ahead of us or behind us, um, sort of a power leveling situation. 
Uh, like I said, I knew a bunch of people. All the teachers were super supportive. Um, you know, even in the seventh grade, the folks that would bully me or, or be problematic for me, that wasn't as much of a problem in the eighth grade because they were very active, you know, anti-bullying. Um, you know, they were on top of that. Um, especially, thinking back on especially for, you know, back in those days, you know, in 1988, uh, there wasn't the anti-bullying situation, you know, campaigns and such that we have today. Um, but eighth grade was sort of a safe space, I guess. I mean, it wasn't, you know, a breeze. I mean, I'm sure if you'd asked eighth grade Todd, you know, how things are going, you'd have had plenty of complaints, but in retrospect, um, and trying to look at it objectively, um, you know, eighth grade was kind of a, a comfy, safe sort of a space, um, which also was concurrent with the high point in my, you know, religious upbringing, uh, you know, my, my most faithful point, um, to where it, it, it was sort of a, a, you know, a place of power. It was sort of, uh, the, the peak, um, at that stage. Um, and so to go from that sort of, uh, comfortable, empowered, uh, type situation, uh, into high school where you go from, you know, all the teachers know you and, and care about you and, uh, you know, just about everybody in the school knows who you are and is, you know, trying there to be friendly, if not friends, uh, to high school where you are immediately, you know, the freshman, you know, you're the bottom of the, the, the sludge pile. Um, you know, even the sophomores look down on you, uh, you know, kind of a thing, uh, where you're now with, you know, three times as many people minimum, um, none of whom you're likely to know and all of whom, you know, think that you're just a dumb freshman and are beneath them. Um, you're going class to class being, you know, forcibly mixed in with these people. Um, a whole new set of teachers, a whole bunch of teachers that, you know, not only don't know you, but for the most part aren't real super concerned. Um, and I don't mean to say that all of my high school teachers were, you know, disinterested pricks. Um, but there's only so much give a crap a person has going around. Uh, you know, and when you're one of nine teachers at the eighth grade, you, you can spread that around pretty well. When you're one of, you know, a couple dozen teachers, you know, in a jam-packed, you know, high school, um, there's only so much you can do, uh, even if you want to, and, you know, it's not like those teachers were making so much bank, you know, whatever, like, like I said, it's not like they didn't give any shits, but it it wasn't the, the, the warm fuzzy, uh, situation we had in the eighth grade, um, yeah, that's a pretty stark difference, um, you know, that is, that is kind of going from nice, cozy, you know, sitting by the edge of the pool to I'm going to drop you into this, you know, ice fishing lake all of a sudden, uh, you know, it it was, it was a very abrupt sort of a change. And for that to happen concurrently with the support system, uh, within my church, uh, basically evaporating at a pretty quick pace, uh, did not set the stage for, for, long-term success, um, you know, for my faith. So that's, that was sort of factor three. Um, and I would say factor four is probably, 
Um, just, I was getting to an age, you know, at that age, you are starting to actually get, you know, your education in terms of, you know, not just learning facts and figures to rattle off, but starting to figure out how to think, how to reason, how to, you know, make sense of things. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, some of those things that, you know, crept into my mind, um, you know, earlier in my life that kind of, you know, took me a little bit away from the Lord at a point, started to creep back in, um, and creep back in without any sort of real externals, like I said, supports to, to kind of keep me, help me keep those kind of thoughts and questions at bay. Um, and you just start to question, you know, does this make sense? How does this, how does this all work? You know, okay, I've been told these stories my whole life, but does that actually make sense? Do I, you know, is this what I actually believe or is this just what I've been told so much and so often that I have been saying I believe it, but I really haven't examined it, uh, sufficiently to know. And uh, I, I should do that. And then you do have that, you know, self-reflection. And you're like, huh, hmm, yeah, I'm not real sure how I actually do feel about this. Um, and that's that's kind of factor four. Uh, you put all those things together, and what you have is a situation that, you're, you know, like I said, you've got a person who is, you know, hurt, confused, and, and generally being, you know, in a whole new situation that is, you know, the opposite of the supportive comfort they once had, and then you've got, you know, questions popping up, uh, you know, in their head, and it's just, it's not, it's not real good for the home team, if the home team is, is, you know, the holy trinity, let's just say that, um, I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, some other factors that folks would be quick to jump upon, um, that I, I feel are not wrong. And there's a reason I didn't list them amongst the four is because I, I, I mean, everything is a factor, you know, realistically, no one exists, no one and nothing exists in a vacuum. Um, so for me to say that there's absolutely no impact for the, the following two things in this equation would be foolish, but they are not anywhere near impactful, um, pieces as the previous four, um, and certainly not deciding factors. And, and what I mean by that is, um, I'm fairly certain that if you, if you were to make inquiries around, you know, the church or, or my mom or whatever at the time, um, they would probably be quick to point out that, oh, it's that Dungeons and Dragons. He started playing Dungeons and Dragons and it took him away from the Lord, the Satan you know, has, has entered him through Dungeons and Dragons. That is, um, that is ridiculous nonsense. Um, I, I get that by virtue of the propaganda you've been told about Dungeons and Dragons, um, and from your perspective in the story, how you could come to that false conclusion, but that doesn't make it any less wrong. Um, I didn't start playing Dungeons and Dragons until I was on the down, the downswing from, you know, my beliefs already, like, I, I had already started to, you know, fade and lose interest and not be, uh, you know, into 
my Christian faith anymore before I even picked up a set of dice. Um, you know, um, and also it's a, it's a game. It's sitting around rolling dice, talking to your friends. Um, there are points where I find it a little insulting that anyone who knows me feels that I am so weak willed, <laughs> uh, and or dumb that reading a couple of game manuals is going to change my whole worldview, uh, in and of itself. Um, so, yes, uh, at or around this time, shortly thereafter that time, I did start playing Dungeons and Dragons, but, um, you know, correlation is not causation. Um, that, that really doesn't factor into it. Uh, and the other piece that I think some folks would probably throw to, which I, again, would disagree with, is, you know, the friends that I hung out with, um, and, you know, oh, well, you started hanging out with these people, and that's when things started to, you know, fall apart, and you started, you, you know, you stopped being a Christian. Again, that's, it, 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 there are events that happened at similar times, um, and I can see how you can draw that false correlation. Uh, but again, you also need to keep in mind that, you know, at about the time this happened, I went from hanging out with the guys I hung out with in the eighth grade, because that's who was in, around, to I was in high school, and there were a whole bunch of other people that I started hanging out with, and not one of the people I hung out with was like, oh man, you need to drop this Jesus nonsense and be, you know, be a pagan like me. No, it's, they, you know, they had their, you know, they had their thing, I had my thing. Really, religion didn't come up a whole lot. It's not like we were trying to, you know, convert each other to, you know, agnosticism or anything. Um, but yes, if you're looking at the timeline, there were points where other friends came into the picture, and that does line up with, you know, the point at which I, I you know, sort of lost my faith, but again, the two don't really factor into each other. Um, and so I would say that by the time um, my freshman year had ended, I think that I can safely say that at that point I was no longer a Christian, um, I would put myself, uh, at the time, pretty firmly down as an agnostic. Um, and in case, you know, you're not familiar with, um, the term agnostic as it re relates to, you know, religious faith, um, it, for me, it kind of meant, yeah, maybe there's a God. If there is, I don't care. Maybe there isn't. And again... That really doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, I'm more concerned with, you know, my day-to-day -day life than I am any sort of afterlife or lack thereof. Um, so I'm just not going to put too much time and energy into it, and I don't care. Um, I, 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 I definitely don't believe in your particular, you know, mythos, your particular, um, you know, blend of you know, God, Jesus, Christianity, all of that. I've tried it. It's not working for me. I don't buy into it. Maybe there's some other truth out there, but again, I just don't have the inclination to try and seek that out. I'm good. Um, which caused no end of problems for me, um, because, um, I was raised in a Christian household, and when you are raised in a Christian household, 
uh, you know, it is considered parental duty to ensure that your children, uh, you know, have the Lord in their life. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it kind of doesn't matter that they are independent beings with their own, you know, hearts and minds and thoughts. Uh, your job is to bring them to the Lord, and, and by golly, you're going to bring them to the Lord if you have to, you know, drag them kicking and screaming to church five times a week. And guess what happened, kids? Uh, I got my ass, happy ass dragged to church five times a week um, in protest. Um, like, it wasn't really a big secret that I, you know, changed my mind and was not into this. And could I please not be a part of this thing that you all clearly believe in, and I absolutely don't. Um, and that answer was no, you're, you're coming with, we're going to fix you. We're going to, you know, make you see how we're right and you're wrong. Um, all right, apparently this tale is going to commemorate my first uh, three-part uh, unit um, to complete the topic, uh, which... It's not terribly surprising to me because, like I said, this is a, you know, this topic has been a pretty major part of my life, um, at certain points. So, uh, we begin part three, uh, essentially detailing my transition from, uh, you know, when I became, uh, to say officially agnostic seems weird because <laughs> there's not like a certificate or something that I have. Uh, but when I, I, I've gone from what I would consider to be, uh, you know, firmly agnostic onward to the present. Um, so where we left off, uh, I outlined how it is that I got to, you know, get to the point of agnosticism, um, which at this point in the timeline would put me at, you know, 14, 13, 14, you know, some, somewhere, uh, let's call it freshman year of high school, um, to keep, to keep it simple. Um, and so, as I said, the situation I found myself in was certainly less than desirable in that, uh, you know, I, you know, wasn't an adult, but I, you know, gotten to the point in my maturity to where I was, you know, an independent person capable of, you know, making, you know, some decisions for myself, um, you know, coming to certain conclusions and sort of being able to determine what I believed or not. Uh, and the, the situation I found myself in was, you know, being part of a family that was uh, very Christian and you know, sort of acted in direct opposition to how I thought and felt and believed at the time. Um, I'm hesitant to get into a whole lot of detail there. And, and the reason for that is that, you know, your teen years are, you know, called your formative years for a reason. Uh, you know, you, you, you form a lot of thoughts and opinions and, and stuff. And the things that happen to you in those years tend to stick with you uh, throughout the rest of your life as, you know, sort of monuments to how you got where you are. Uh, there are a lot of milestones there that stick out. Um, and some of the stuff fades with time, you know, 
petty grudges with, you know, other classmates and, you know, how you really didn't care for this teacher or that. You know, that stuff fades with time and who cares. Uh, but other things tend to stick around. You know, your, your you know, initial relationships with members of the opposite sex, that tends to have, you know, some impact on you far beyond the time when you've broken up with that person. Um, and, you know, religious faith definitely falls into that category of something that sticks with you um, and has a lasting impression. And as such, my fear is that as I relate the, you know, the next part of the story and talk too much about that time, it is going to come across as very angsty and bitter. To which I will say, at that time, things were absolutely angsty and bitter. Um, looking back on it now, you know, I, I have a certain sense of detachment from those events. Um, and I will, you know, precede the following with the statement that a fair bit of, you know, the contention that happened during this time frame, specifically as regards to, you know, religion and going to church and, and the, the disagreements that my parents and I had, uh, a fair bit of that focused on, you know, sort of a battle between myself and my mother. Um, and I just, oh, again, want to reiterate that my mom and I are fine. We, we get along well. Uh, you know, a lot of this is in the past and we acknowledge that, you know, things happened back then that, you know, if we had to do them all over again, we might've handled differently. Um, you know, things were said by, you know, a headstrong teen that, you know, again, I don't know that I would necessarily, you know, continue, you know, do again if I knew then what I knew now, um, etc. Uh, and we, you know, we have a good relationship. Um, you know, the, the topic of religion these days doesn't come up much because I think she understands where I'm coming from, uh, and whether she doesn't broach the topic out of respect for, you know, my autonomy as an adult, or if it's because she, you know, somehow realizes that it's not going to make any difference. Uh, I, I can't speak to that. I can't speak for her. Um, but it's no longer a going concern. It's no longer a, a, a point of contention between the two of us. And like I said, we, we have a, a very good, you know, loving, caring, you know, mother-son relationship now. Um, and I, like I said, as I relate some of this story, um, you know, go, digging back into your memories and telling stories about how things were, <clears throat> to me, is kind of a form of time travel. You, you, you not only recall, you know, the events as they occurred, but it also stirs up, you know, those emotions, those feelings, the, the, you know, what you had going through your mind at that time. And even if you, you've changed as a person or your outlook has shifted, uh, there's a part of you that goes back and reassumes that, that sort of way of thinking, that posture, the, the emotions that come with that. And like I said, my fear is that by retelling these stories, I'm going to evoke those sorts of thoughts and feelings and, and give the false impression that I'm still, you know, really mad and upset and bitter and, and resentful 
for those events as they took place. And again, I just want to sort of put it out there that that's, that's not the case. Um, so prefaces and disclaimers aside, let's, let's resume, you know, sort of where we left off. And that is, uh, like I said, I had pretty much made up my mind that, you know, Christianity was not the answer for me. Um, and, you know, my parents had come to the conclusion that, yeah, that wasn't acceptable. You're, you're, you're still a young person. You, you, you know, don't know what you're doing. Um, and it's our job to, you know, help make this right. We are going to, you know, ensure that you get back on the right path. Um, which are two things that were completely 180 degrees from each other. And something that, you know, was, in my opinion, almost sort of destined to fail. Because, you know, if the tables were turned and, you know, I was in a position that, you know, it became my mission to, to tell them that, you know, what you believe is wrong and I'm going to convince you. Um, you know, such is the power of belief that it, you know, does a pretty good job of defending against intrusion from others. Um, and even though I, you know, didn't believe in, in, you know, in their God or, you know, as an agnostic really have a belief of my own, um, the same sort of situation applied, you know, my anti-belief was just as strong as their belief and those two opposing forces were not likely to conquer each other of their own accord. Um, much in the same way that when I was in the height of evangelical hardcoreness, you know, the, the Jehovah's Witness kid trying to tell me his thing, I was not going to be dissuaded. You know, my other, you know, high school, you know, or, you know, eighth grade school people who were like, dude, you need to calm down. You know, there, there were, you know, at that time, you know, heavy metal and punk rock were things. And there were people in my school that were like, dude, you need to calm down with what you're saying. You know, your, your whole Jesus thing is, is a joke. And I wasn't hearing it. Um, nor would I have, nor should I have, you know, if you have beliefs, uh, you know, you should defend those for yourself. Um, I don't think you should impose those on others, but if you believe in a thing, you should stick to those guns until such time as you yourself have changed your, your outlook or your opinion or your mind on that. Um, so I don't begrudge them for, you know, trying to, you know, bring me to the Lord. That was their, that was what they believed should be the case. Uh, I just wasn't having any of it. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we were all in the habit of going to, to church Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service, Wednesday, you know, services, um, you know, if the doors were open, we were there. The, you know, the difference here is that I was no longer interested in being a part of that. Um, which is a significant difference. Uh, you know, it, it became an act of unwilling participation. Um, and in retrospect, um, I, I gotta say that I honestly think that 
by enforcing and inflicting that to me, on me, whatever you want to call it, um, I think I can objectively say that it actually did, in fact, do more harm than good. I think that, you know, at, at, at the early stages where, you know, I kind of decided, you know, I'm not feeling this Christianity. Um, I think I need some time to kind of figure out what I, what I think and feel. And I would appreciate you guys giving me some space to figure that out. I think that if they'd have just kind of left it alone, you know, who, who knows? Maybe, you know, my situation would have changed. Uh, you know, the environment I was in might have shifted. Uh, I might have, you know, rejoined the fold, as they say. Uh, but as it stood, with that kind of strict enforcement of you're going to do this whether you like it or not, uh, really what it ended up doing was breeding a whole bunch of resentment um, that really just steeled my resolve against it further and further the more that it, you know, was put in place and kind of drove that wedge deeper. Um, again, it's easy for me to say this now in retrospect, you know, who knows what it would have been back then, but I think that there are some basic concepts there that are, have some merit. And I guess, you know, if I, if I'm going to put on the advice cap, um, and if there's anyone out there, you know, listening, who's, you know, trying to, you know, who's, who's got a situation like this happening in your life. Um, there are points to stand there. There are points in time where you stand your ground because you, you need to, uh, you know, there, there are certain elements in this world that you, you should not compromise on. You know, if, if, if someone's being a, a racist or a homophobe or something like that, you, you don't need to meet them mid midway. You, you, you stand your ground on that. But if it's something that is, you know, your personal thought on a thing is different from that person's thought on that. Um, there are points where you might do better just to not harp on that person endlessly. Uh, cause you, you might be doing, you know, more harm than good for your overall cause in the long term, I guess. Um, but you know, the, the ensuing four years that I was, you know, in high school and, and still living at home, um, like I said, until I went off to college, uh, it was a tricky time for me. Um, most of the things that I enjoyed or wanted to do were essentially inherently denied to me by virtue of the topic of uh, how how one group of people believed um, and how that belief system should be applied to me whether I believed it or not. Um, specific examples would include... Um, I was not allowed to listen to, to rock and roll music. Um, there was a stage there where it was determined to be the devil's music and that it was not going to, you know, be tolerated. That is, you know, we're not going to let you do that. Um, and mind you, at this point in time, uh, you know, as I said, you know, heavy metal and punk and death metal and stuff, you know, existed and were around. That's not even necessarily what I'm talking about. Uh, I was not allowed to listen to Led Zeppelin. 
uh, because of songs like Stairway to Heaven being, you know, heretical in nature, uh, and the, you know, the talk, uh, that was perpetuated around, you know, backwards masking, uh, messages being recorded, uh, in reverse in the songs, um, you know, I'm a big fan nowadays of Black Sabbath and enjoyed them back in the day as well, but that was clearly unacceptable. Um, you know, rock and roll music that was on the radio, uh, was not, was not, not permitted. It was just that you're, you're not allowed to, to listen to these things. Uh, you know, the Beatles were not allowed. The Who, nope. Uh, you know, stuff that was on the radio at the time, you know, uh, I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank on what was popular in the late 80s, early 90s, but if it was on, you know, the FM radio, Todd wasn't really allowed to listen to it. Uh, you know, I had a Walkman, um, and I had some, some cassettes of, you know, classical music. That was, that was okay. Um, in a weird sort of, this makes no sense to me now, nor did it then, but I'm going to go ahead and use this loophole, uh, thing. When I was, you know, heavily into my evangelical Christian Pentecostal phase, um, my buddy exposed me to some Christian rock, um, and specifically, uh, Christian metal, heavy metal, death metal, uh, type stuff, but the lyrics were mm, Christian, uh, if you looked at the liner notes, they were about Jesus, but, and I'm gonna ruin my voice and probably cough, and I apologize for that, but to listen to it, you know, it was the death metal of, like, you know, with heavy riffs and so, you couldn't make out the words. Um, but I could show mom the liner notes and how, you know, this band was called Deliverance and they were singing about, you know, the salvation of the Lord. And in this song, when you hear them talking about blood, they're talking about, you know, the blood of the lamb, etc. And that was deemed okay. I could have all those tapes I wanted. Um, I could have had some serious Slayer nonsense or Megadeth or, you know, any number of things. And to listen to the music, you wouldn't have known the difference. Um, but even then, I kind of respected and didn't do that. I still, okay, cool, it's music I enjoy, and it's, yes, Christian, but I can't tell what it's actually saying, so I don't care. I'm just going to enjoy the music. I had that on cassette. Um, further on down the line, um, you know, I did start to just go ahead and, you know, break the rules and need to be all kinds of shady and covert to do so. Uh, you know, I had a buddy who dubbed physical graffiti onto a cassette, uh, and I forget exactly what I had it mislabeled as, but it did not say that on the, you know, on the tape. Uh, it said something else that I was allowed to listen to, uh, so that I didn't have to, you know, keep a ton of cassettes hidden, uh, you know, Lane from the Gilmore Girls style. Um, but yeah, music, which is pretty important to most people. Um, and is particularly important to me, uh, was cut off to me. I was not allowed to enjoy any of the music I, I really wanted to listen to for the most part, unless I, you know, added to the sin total by lying and cheating and sneaking around on it. Um, I've mentioned in previous casts my enjoyment of, you know, role-playing games, Dungeons and & Dragons in specific. Uh, 
in which I've also mentioned how, you know, the evangelical community considers that to be just a full-on active recruiting tool of Satan. So clearly that was forbidden and not allowed. Uh, you know, my chief pastime was, you know, absolutely denied to me. Uh, you know, if, if you spend, you know, you, you learn how to swim and decide, Hey, I'm good at this and become a champion swimmer and then have someone say, you're nowhere, you're not allowed to be anywhere near a pool ever again. Kind of, kind of rains on your parade a little, um, that sort of a thing. Um, you know, there were friends I was not allowed to hang out with because not that they were evil, not that they were, you know, tattooed with pentagrams or, you know, we're always talking about, boy, worshiping Satan sure is some fun, but just people that, you know, they, they don't go to church. So you're not allowed to hang out with them. Um, you know, when I think of teenagers, um, you know, there, there are pretty much four things that they're interested in. Uh, their music, their friends, their hobbies, and, you know, their boyfriend, girlfriend, significant others. Uh, for the most of my high school year, there was no significant others, so that didn't come into play. Uh, but the other three that did apply were just full-on denied to me. Um, and you can't do that without expecting some sort of, you know, repercussions um, and lasting <laughs> problems from that and for that not to feed into, you know, your child's resistance. Uh, again, you know, if, you know, as an adult, it, you know, I think about, well, if I were in their position and, you know, my kid was doing something like that, how would I react? How, how would I think differently about that now as an adult, as I did when I was a youngster? Um, and clear, clearly on the religious front, I now have different opinions, you know, than my parents did at the time. Um, and that's not necessarily a fair comparison. That said, you know, if we're going with a full 180 reversal, uh, and one of the girls were to look at me and said, you know, I'm, I have become saved and I want to, you know, go to church as often as possible. And I want to, you know, become heavily involved in the faith. Uh, I don't share your, your thoughts and your beliefs there, but you're, you know, you're able to make your own decisions and I'm not going to, you know, keep you from going to church because I'm, you know, an atheist. Uh, that's, that's your call at this point. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't have handled that the same way, you know, if all they wanted to listen to was, you know, Christian music. Okay, cool. I don't want to hear it. So don't play it around me but that's not really different than things are nowadays. Like I'm not a fan of pop music. And when the girls are, you know, playing whatever the latest rap song or pop song are, I'm like, can you please turn that off until I'm away? Uh, <laughs> if it were Christian music, that would have no real difference in my, you know, in the way I react to it now. And, you know, if you're up in your room listening to it and I can't hear it, listen to whatever you want. I don't care. Um, you know, when it comes to their friends, I'm generally not making those sorts of judgment calls. I mean, if I know that your friend is a sex offender, we're going to have, that's not going to happen. But that's a different, that's a, to me is a different category than, oh, they go to church, you can't hang with them. Or they don't go to church, you can't hang with them. You know, if I know that your friends are, you know, going out, getting drunk and using drugs all the time, 
it's my job as a parent to keep you away from that. Um, again, that's different than, oh, you and your friends like to hang out in a room and roll dice. Well, that's just not going to happen. It, there, there's a difference there. Um, and I don't know that I would follow most of the same principles that my parents applied to me um, in terms of how to handle that situation. Um, that's pretty much about all I'm going to say about that, that, that time frame. Um, there's really not much more to say. Um, you know, it's not like I really moved the needle one way or the other as far as my actual faith was concerned. Kind of once I decided I was done with Christianity, um, and kind of decided that, you know, agnosticism is kind of where I fall in. I just don't care one way or the other. There's, there's no real difference to how that works, um, you know, for, for many, many years. Uh, you know, I went off to college, same situation, except I was finally able to do the things I wanted to do. I could buy, you know, Nirvana on CD and listen to them without having to hear about it. Uh, you know, I could play D&D and Magic the Gathering to my heart's content, and there was no, no problem there. I mean... I played Magic the Gathering in D&D a little too much uh, in that it kept me up at night and uh, therefore I slept through classes. But that's kind of a separate issue. Uh, that's more of a self-discipline thing than anything having to do with, you know, religion. Um, and obviously I was allowed to hang out with whoever I wanted to. And, you know, in those years, you know, I finally had gotten to the point to where, you know, I, you know, had a girlfriend and could enjoy the various aspects of having a girlfriend that occur to you when you're between 17 and 20 something years old, um, that I'm not going to get real into right now. Cause I don't feel I need to. Um, so college was fine. No big difference there. Um, the Navy more of the same, uh, you know, at this point I'm an adult, I'm out doing my thing. Um, religion was not a big topic for me. Um, and really get out of the Navy, go to Florida, saying more of the same, more of the same, more of the same. Really, the conversation start, picks back up in terms of, you know, faith and my journey there. Um, about midway through my, my time in Florida, um, and really sort of picks up at the point where um, I hook up with and eventually marry um, my second wife. Um, she and her family were Episcopalians. Um, again, I'm not looking to do a whole bunch of definitions of who, who they are and what they stand for, etc., etc. Um, I will say that, um, wife number two was born and raised Catholic, um, had gotten a divorce prior to me. I was actually her third husband. Um, and the Catholic Church at that point did not do well with uh, divorce. Um, that was cause for excommunication, and so she could not be Catholic anymore. Um, and so she became an Episcopalian, uh, her, raised her two children as Episcopalian. Um, and that was the case when I met them. Um, at that point, you know, we we got together, we got along well, obviously. Um, but I made it kind of clear that, you know, this is kind of my history as regards to religion. And, you know, 
you want to do your thing, you go right ahead and do your thing. I'm not going to give you any grief. I'm not going to try and keep you from going to church or doing your stuff, but do not expect me to be getting up on Sunday and going with you. I am not the guy that's going to change his religion for any other human on this planet. Um, and we agreed to that, and that, you know, went well for the first uh, year or two. Um, I'm not real sure how it actually came about being that that situation started to shift and change. Um, and now that I think about it, it's hard for me to elaborate on really at all, but there is a point in time uh, when my thoughts had sort of shifted to, I think enough time had passed from the time of my, you know, teenage oppression uh, and persecution, if you will, uh, to where a lot of that rage and angst had faded um, and my sort of, you know, dislike for Christianity had, had sort of, you know, waned a bit um, to where I became open to the idea of, you know, eh, maybe we'll give this another shot. Um, you know, she and the kids seem happy. Uh, you know, there, there was the occasional time that, and I'll just be real honest, that I would humor them, uh, by going to mass with them on like Christmas or Easter or something. Um, and those services are very different from what I was accustomed to as a Pentecostal. Um, you know, it's not a church service. It is a mass. It's, it's very, um, formulaic is not the word. Um, it's, it's very structured. There, there are certain events that happen at certain times. Uh, you know, they've got the thing where at certain points you stand up at certain points, you kneel other times you sit down. Um, you know, somebody will read a thing and then you will, you know, the congregation will read back to them in unison, uh, very ritual, um, based, uh, which was, complete night and day from what I was accustomed to. Uh, you know, I'm used to people, you know, going pew to pew, sort of half dancing, banging their, their tambourines sort of a thing. Uh, you know, it was, it was very different. Um, and like I said, the first few times I went largely to, to humor her and or to, you know, satisfy my curiosity of let's see how this half lives sort of a deal. Um, but at some point, uh, like I said, I'd kind of softened to the, well, you know, maybe it's not, maybe, you know, my, my anger towards God has been misplaced and, you know, it started in a rough patch of my life. Um, and a bunch of stuff changed and, you know, maybe, maybe I didn't give this a fair shake. Let's, let's maybe give it a try. And maybe, you know, part of the problem was the hype of pen of the Pentecostal end of things. Maybe something a little more, you know, regimented, might, might work. And so I, you know, started going to, going to church with them. Um, and even went so far as to, um, you know, start attending classes. They don't call it catechism. Um, but they're classes about this is the, you know, the religion that you're looking to join. These are the things you need to know. Um, if you are going to, you know, join this church, um, and I guess that's the other thing. The churches I'd been to before, you were a member of the church, but it, there really wasn't like a joining. Like you showed up all the time, therefore you were a member of the church. 
Uh, the Episcopalians, you you joined. Like there was paperwork and you know and you know stuff that went with that. Um, and so you know the I, again I forget what they called it. It wasn't catechism. It's it's the Episcopalian equivalent. Uh, I went to those. Um, you know and that sort of thing culminates in you know a confirmation you you get confirmed and that's when you become officially a, a part of the church um, you know there's a there's a ceremony there there's you know prayers are said and things happen and you know you do your first communion situation um, and I I I did it um, and it was tricky for me coming from a place of no faith and no doubt and, and doubt uh, to kind of get into my head into a mindset of accepting some of the things that I previously used as ammo to ward off religion. Um, which I'm not going to get into because my point here is not to try and convince people one way or the other or give anyone any kind of ideas uh, in terms of you know, what my reasoning was and why I chose to do what I did. Um, that's not the intent here. The intent here is just to tell this, my story of how I got to be there. Those kinds of specifics. Uh, I think it's best if people figure that out sort of for themselves. Um, you know, if you, if you're thinking of trying out atheism and want to know what's going on there, there are plenty of books you can read that will outline, you know, this is why this line of logic in Christianity is flawed. Uh, you don't need me to do that for you. Um, nor do I intend to. Um, but there were a lot of those sorts of things that I had to sort of come to terms with. Um, and had to kind of come back to the, you know... Blissful ignorance of just saying, Oh, it's the Lord's will and not thinking too much about it. Uh, which seems a, a snide, snippy, condescending way to put it, which is not my intent, but that's kind of what some of that boils down to. Um, when you start to think about the, some of that stuff, you know, some of the deeper aspects of it um, that don't have scientific or logical explanations behind them, that's often what it kind of boils down to is you, you got to have faith um, and that, you know, that's that's the way the Lord wants it. It's not for you to understand. It's the Lord's will. Uh, and you can embrace that and, and all of that stuff then works for you or you can reject that and you're going to have a hard time, uh, you know, coming to terms with some of the, the precepts and concepts of really any faith, I would imagine. Um... But like I said, I, I got confirmed. Uh, I have a tattoo on my arm uh, that I got as a confirmation present to myself. Uh, that is a Celtic cross uh, in you know with with Nordic runes on it. Um, that you know you can't read unless you speak you know Nordic runes. Uh, but says you know God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. Um, pretty big on my my left. Um, shoulder, bicep, arm region. Um, 
that is still with me to this day. Um, you know, again, nowadays as an atheist, I'm thankful that it's, uh, you know, not necessarily in, in, in English. Uh, it's still a cross, but crosses are things that, you know, occur in fashion and whatnot. Um, and since all the words are in runes, it looks, you know, ancient and mysterious and whatever. And I, you know, I really don't think about it all that much. Uh, truth be told, um, nor do I necessarily care what most people think. Um, but there's a part of me that is glad it's not in English, um, and giving people the false impression that I am, I, I am still a believer. Um, as time went by, you know, like I said, I got confirmed. I went to church. We went, you know, every Sunday to mass because that's what you do. Uh, you know, and special services, you know, on the, you know, holy holidays and so forth. Um, as time passed, we as a family stopped going as frequently. Um, and again, I don't want to throw too much correlation or causation in there, but that roughly kind of coincided with the times that, you know, that relationship started to deteriorate. I'm not saying it did so because we stopped going to church, nor am I saying we stopped going to church because our relationship was not good. It's just these things happened. Um, but with those things correlating, uh, you know, happening at the same time, rather, um, kind of, again, got my brain going because I tend to be a pretty rational thinking, you know, things through kind of guy. Uh, started to get questions going again for me. Um, to where by the time it was all said and done and that relationship ended, uh, I was kind of, you know, once again over it, I was done. I'm, I'm not interested in being a part of that, uh, religion, that faith. It, you know, I tried, gave it another try. It didn't do what I was looking for. I'm not putting any more energy into that. Um, and so when I came back to Ohio, um, I think at that point I could safely say I was once again, no longer, you know, a, a, a Christian person. Um, and having gone through Christianity twice, <laughs> uh, I kind of started to think a little more on the faith and, and the beliefs there and examining my own beliefs and how they related to, you know, the reality I live in, you know, okay, Christianity has got two strikes. I haven't tried, you know, I've tried it twice. It hasn't worked. You know, is there nothing? Is there maybe something else that's worth looking into? Like maybe it wasn't Christianity. Is there some other faith that might apply or is it just that religion is not a thing for me? Um, and I'm not going to say that I did a whole bunch of research because that would be dishonest. Um, but I did more thinking and there were um, other things that, you know, there were some books and, and things that I would look into, uh, you know, and, and things that I would be exposed to in a sort of incidental fashion, I suppose. Uh, you know, books that I'd read that weren't necessarily, here's how to be an atheist, but had, you know, were written by folks who, you know, were atheists and, you know, the whole premise of the book might not have been about that, but in things they were talking about, it sort of came up. Um, and sort of spurred some thinking, uh, on my part. Um, 
and you know, kind of eventually culminated in the the realization slash decision that you know what, I, I I'm not an agnostic. I, I actually am an atheist. Um, and even now, to say those words out loud is a little tricky because uh, growing up as I did, I think that if I or my family were sitting down with someone and they told that they told me, you know, I, I'm a Wiccan. I'm, I, you know, I'm a witch. I, I believe in that. Uh, we would have been, you know, not on their side and would have been trying to talk them, you know, towards the, the light of Christianity. Um, same as if someone said, you know, I am a devil worshiper. I, I'm really into Satan. We would have, you know, had, you know, not been on, you know, aligned with them. We would have been, you know, taking action to try and, you know, convert them over. Uh, but I think that if someone would have looked at, uh, at us and said, you know, I am an atheist, that almost would have been taken worse. Um, because if you believe in Wicca, you at least believe in something. It's not what I believed in, but you believed in something. If you believed in Satan, then, well, Satan is the opposite of God, which means you believe in God, you just don't believe in God. Uh, but for someone to look at you and say, you know, flat out, no, I'm not an agnostic, I, I actually am an atheist, I don't believe that God in any form exists, uh, was extra offensive. Um, and I can't claim to speak for, you know, anyone else but myself, but my perception in having, you know, years and years of experience with Christians at least, uh, is I think that might be kind of common. And so for me to say out loud that I'm an atheist, there's a part of me inside that still kind of winces a little bit, uh, because there are those nuggets that are just buried deep, deep inside me, uh, the learned behaviors and, you know, reactions that still are a little, mm, I don't know how to describe it. Um, but that to me, there's something to be, there is a specific, um, very intense distinction once you, you know, cross the threshold from agnosticism to atheism. That is, is very, very big. <laughs> um, and I say that as a person who has crossed that threshold um, after much consideration and did so willingly and knowledgeably and, and that, you know, yes, that's a, that's a, a big step, um, to me, but it is a step that, that it, it, it is a big step and I wanted to take the big step of, you know what, I, this is how I, this is how I feel. This is, this is where I am in terms of my faith and my belief, um, I, I do not believe in God, and not just your God, but any God. Um, you know, there's there's a a saying amongst the atheists, if you will, that you know um, when you compare an atheist to, for example, a Christian, um, the only real difference between the two of us is I believe in one less God than you do, uh, because you know Christians believe in you know God the Father. Um, but they don't believe in Thor or Zeus 
uh, you know, or Odin, or, you know, any number of, you know, Native American spirits, uh, or, you know, any of the, you know, Far Eastern religions, um, they don't believe in any of that, they believe in God. Well, okay, I don't believe in any of those things either, I just don't believe in your God, either. I believe in one less God than you do. Um, and... There again, I think there's a certain stigma amongst those of faith as regards to atheists, in that you know, because we are godless, we therefore must be godless heathens. Um, that somehow not having a faith means that you also don't have a morality, and that is not true, um, and is something that I, to be honest, find a little offensive. Um, I get that for a lot of people of faith, um, a lot of your, you know, scriptures and, 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 and texts and, and teachings, uh, concern themselves with morality, um, and reinforcing the morality that, you know, coincides with your religion. And I don't, I don't begrudge you that. I mean, you know, if you look at the Ten Commandments, they're not necessarily horrible things. Well, half of them. Uh, you know, not lying, not stealing, not killing people, not, you know, doing those sorts of things all make real good sense and are things that I absolutely believe in. I, I disagree with you on the whole, you know, I am your only God because I don't believe in God. Um, I disagree with, you know honoring your mother and father unconditionally uh, just because I've known too many people whose parents were drug addicts or abusive or you know well a couple of varieties of abusive that I'm not going to get into uh, to where I don't think you should just blindly you know honor people just by virtue of them giving birth to you I think you've got to kind of earn some of that um you know, but like I said, the other aspects of morality, be cool to each other, don't kill each other, don't take each other's things, a lot of that is tied into, you know, your, like I said, your, your scriptures and your, you know, your teachings, but it's not like you have to have one to have the other, you know, like I said, there are plenty of people in this world who have never even heard of a Bible that just inherently don't kill each other, um, you know, um, and just because I've declared that I don't believe in your God doesn't mean that I am, you know, you know, a, a, you know, a heartbeat away from raping someone, murdering them, and then taking all their stuff. It, you know, it, it's, it, that's not how this works. Um, I learned some of my morality from my Christian upbringing. Uh, but by no means all of it. Um, and there are quite a few aspects of Christianity that makes me question, uh, you know, their moral authority um, on, you know, quite a few things. Again, blindly honoring your mother and father, you know, if your father is, you know, beating your mom on a nightly basis, to me doesn't seem very morally correct. Um, you know, um, the kind of folks that, you know, use the Bible to justify, you know, why you shouldn't 
have abortions because that's, you know, killing babies can often be the same people who are quoting scripture to, you know, justify capital punishment, which is also killing people. Um, I have a hard time with some of those types of, you know, arguments and topics um, when you're trying to, you know, inherently tie morality to uh, a particular faith and they kind of weaken your argument, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I, I have... I have morals, I have my, you know, own sort of, you know, code, code of honor and standards that just because they're not tied to a particular holy book doesn't, don't make them any less valid for my life or frankly things that are in common with a lot of people, including the faithful. Um, honesty, integrity, not killing people, not stealing stuff, you know. Yeah, I don't need a stone tablet for that, I guess, is all I'm saying. Um, one of the reasons I've put off, you know, recording this is in the knowledge that, you know, this recording will go out to the world, and part of the world includes my mother, um, for whom she has, you know, deep feelings on this topic that don't necessarily align with mine, um... And like I said, I'm not looking to, you know, cause trouble or hurt her feelings. Um, but I'm not necessarily going to stay quiet just for that. Um, you know, there are a variety of other family members um, on my side, on, you know, Abby's side, who, you know, are very well aware that I am not a church-going man. Um, and again... We generally don't get too deep into, you know, the religious conversation. Again, I don't know necessarily the specifics as to why that is. Again, it might be that they just respect my thoughts and aren't going to try and convert me, and so I bring it up. It might be that they just aren't into doing that. Like, I don't know what that reasoning is. Um, but if they get a hold of these episodes, they're going to get a real clear picture as to, you know what I, what I feel and believe in, um, and the faith that I no longer have, hopefully they understand, you know, they also hear the parts about how I got to here, um, you know, and I hope that they don't, you know, lose any love or respect for me because of that, um, but again, I, I honestly feel that it's important for people to be true to themselves, um, and to stand up for what they, what they feel and what they believe in. Um, and as an atheist, I don't believe in any gods, but that doesn't mean I don't believe in a sense of morality, a sense of justice, a sense of, you know, who I am and why I am the way I am. Um, and for me to deny that would be just as bad as if I were to expect them to hide their faith. Um, which would also be not okay. Um, and I guess that's really where this, this particular tale sort of ends. Um, that kind of brings you to the, the current state, um, of my, my faith and beliefs. Um, and I will, will call it good at that point, um, 
having gone through all of that in three parts um, in a very long, <laughs> long-winded form, uh, thanks everybody for hanging in there. Uh, those that hung hung in, um, I hope it was entertaining um, for you. Uh, I don't know if there's anything in there that anyone's likely to take away or learn from, but if you did, hooray, I guess. Uh, like I said, I'm not looking to convert anyone to any cause. Um, but I appreciate you hanging in there. Um, and maybe, you know, you hearing this will give you better insight into some of the other stories I tell. Hooray. Um, you know... If there are any questions or concerns that you've got or sort of follow-ups, uh, you know, you can hit me on Twitter. You can hit me at the email. Um, if you don't know what those handles and email addresses are by this point, uh, refer to just about any other episode I've got. <laughs> and you can find them. Um, I do hope that no one uses those to start sending me a bunch of either nasty grams or, you know, I'll pray for you type messages. Uh, I understand where you're coming from if you're a person that feels you need to defend the faith or if you're a person that feels it's important that you let the unbelievers know that you're still praying for them. Let's just assume that I know that if you're one of those people that you're praying for me, don't necessarily need to tell me. Um, that kind of starts to go back into the thing I was saying about, you know, someone believes something directly opposite of you, continually telling them that you believe the exact opposite of them is kind of just going to drive that wedge deeper. For me, that's where messages of, oh, I'll pray for you kind of fall in. Like, that's great. I, I didn't ask for that. I don't need that not really doing anybody any favors here. Uh, you know, by all means, it's a free country. If you want to pray for me, pray for me. I can't stop you. Wouldn't want to stop you, but I, I don't necessarily need you to tell me about it all the time either. Um, yeah, at this point, I'm just rambling, and I'm nearly home, so we're going to call this good. Again, thanks everybody for joining. Um, hopefully, I'll have some more up-tempo, upbeat, fun, exciting stories for you uh, the next time you tune in. Um, as this has been, you know, quite the, the ride and possibly a bit of a bummer. So we'll, we'll perk that up for the next time. Till next time, I hope y'all have a good one. And that's it.